I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Shao Kahn, Emperor of Outworld. The Earth was created in six days, so too shall it be destroyed. Your planet and Outworld have begun to merge into one realm. Think of it as hell on Earth. I thought our victory closed those portals. Mother. If I am correct, your mother Sindel is the key to all of this. By reuniting you with her, Kha's spell will be broken. This is the beginning of the end! Prepare for final battle! This is an accompaniment to our show on the 1995 film Mortal Kombat. This sequel emerged against all odds and reason into cinemas in 1997. I was there. I saw it. Don't tell me it didn't happen. When I was making my end of year rankings, something I still do 23 years later, my spellchecker adjusted the title to Mortal Wombat Annihilation. And you know what? Better movie. Almost nobody returned for this thing. The director and writer and all but two of the actors all walked. The ones that remained were food fight magnate Lawrence Kasanoff in the producer chair, and boy does it show, this thing is a live-action food fight, except for the bits of CG which may have ended up in food fight. Also sticking around were Robin Shu, who clearly cared about remaining Liu Kang, and Talis Soto, who seems to have taken the role of Princess Kitana more seriously than anyone would ever ask of her. In fact, more people came back for this podcast than stuck around for the movie. Mike Hearn was graciously unavailable. A man who looked a bit like Dan Hepner did turn up to record, but Shao Kahn snapped him in two like a Kit Kat in the first five minutes. This leaves us with... Hollywood actress Maya Santandrea, whom I'm betting can punch better than most of the fighters on show here. You are correct. And Trust your might. <laughs> and sorcerer Jason Chewy Slate, whose obsession with magic has led to catastrophic eruptions of the very worst CGI in colours no sane person could describe. I'm sorry, the role of Chewy would be played by James Remar in this uh, podcast. Okay. We're going to go through this kind of rather than one beat at a time and one scene at a time because it's very confusing. It leaps all over the place and it doesn't seem to advance the plot much. In fact, I noticed that we were 40 minutes from the end when they basically got to the final showdown and they just stretched that out like crazy. Uh, We're going to kind of just go sort of like segments of the film, like bits of them. The director, um, they switched out Paul W.S. Anderson for John R. Leonetti, who uh, I think the only thing I noticed on his um, uh, filmography that I recognized, and it was only because it was a sequel to a film I know of, uh, and it came way later than this, was Butterfly Effect 2. They made a sequel to that? Apparently so. 
I mean, like if you may, like if there's a bad movie and then the original director walks on it, you get John R. Leonetti. Yeah, then this is just the guy that comes in to replace him. <laughs> I would say that he, he just does a sort of workmanlike job, but honestly, this is some of the worst direction I've ever seen. There's a lot of extreme close-ups on the faces of these fighters, but the actors have nothing to act with beyond their costumes, which aren't in frame. And the camera's so intrusive, it's practically fisheye lens. There are a lot of shots, like point of view shots, that I think are trying to make it dynamic, that yeah. are just so blatantly awful. Stop it. Ah, careful, because I have set everyone the task here. We can't just say so bad. We have to explain why and how. So, like, Liu Kang gets oh. attacked by a camera at one point. He's, like, wrestling with the screen, going, Argh! Because can yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a wolf? No. Can we CG a wolf only for, like, four frames? Can we... What if the wolf was the camera? Got it. Got it. Can yep. we buy some side daggers? No? Uh, what if the side daggers were the camera? <laughs> I think... Perfect. The, the bit that I find the, the most egregious is that any scene that's got CG in it... I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but the the placing of the camera for the frame that's going on behind the CG mm. seems almost entirely random. It's like whoever was doing the direction part of it... John R. Leonetti. What exactly is going on in this frame? I don't care. Mm. And then they kind of pasted the, uh, the And then CG the CG gets pasted in. It's like any scene that's got CG just has random film going mm-hmm. on in the background. It could be yeah. anything. It, it certainly doesn't help that there's so much green screen spillage all over the place. Like, it's really terrible. Like, you can see, like, oh, God, it's it's bad. There are, are people that have them? their arms just disappear into the green screen because there's so much spillage. It's it's like, what, how did this get approved? Armality. Oh, that Goro. Were they even using green screens yet? Or was this was this still blue screen? It might 97? have been blue screen, but I mean, the spillage is just everywhere. Chromaky. Like, not to mention the fact that... <laughs> That you're right. The things that just seem like randomly placed everywhere in the background. The fact that the the action doesn't really make any sense because they keep just cutting back to close-ups of people or have the camera POV shots. It's just an absolute mess. So, Shao Kahn. It, the the plot of the film is that Shao Kahn is planning a merger with uh, uh, the Earth. Why? Right. He's always going on about this merger. I. I had to ask on multiple occasions why would they choose a word that is a real thing and means two businesses because tonight is the night when two become one Johnny Cage Kano Raiden Liu Kang Scorpion Sub Zero Sonya Wind your might. 
becoming what? He keeps going to his boss slash dad, who is Mike the Cleaner from uh, Breaking Bad, and he's like, the merger will go ahead as planned, father. And, and his father's like, ah, yeah, probably. You know, but it, like, it just makes the You're whole kind of a thing. disappointment, son. It just makes the whole thing seem bizarrely corporate. Yeah. Well, that's because Shinnok, because it turns out that's Shinnok, who they say at the very, very end once. Uh, but it turns out that, that Shinnok is uh, on the Donald Trump school of governing a realm. All right. He just treats it like a business, and he doesn't care how many people die, as long as he gets his. It's a merger. It's a merger. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be the best merger. <laughs> it's it's all good business. He's going to do it. He's going to do a business this time. So, I mean, like, we've, we've gone from Shang Tsung, who was a struggling middle manager, to the Emperor, who was spoke, like, bigged up as the be-all, end-all. Like, you know, he's in charge. He's the man Shang Tsung is scared of. But as it turns out, the Emperor is scared of his dad. He's and, a twerp with daddy issues. Yeah. I mean, again, that's, that's actual fertile ground for a Loki-style villain who's, like, just trying to impress his dad. But that, that isn't this guy at all. No, like, if they had left... If they left some of his... Like, imposing nature that they've been building up since the previous movie... Mm-hmm. If they'd let that run for a while, I think he would have been a better character. But no, the second time you see him, his daddy's yelling at him. And he's like, okay, dad. Like, <laughs> the second exactly. time you see him! Yeah, I mean, there's nothing imposing about him at all. To go back to your point, he just he's just kind of a a wet blanket in this movie. He doesn't really do anything. Mm. And his father, Shinnok, is just a, a little short guy with a ratty little beardy face. He's not done up to look like Palpatine or anything. There's nothing imposing about... He, he's... You, you wonder how he could be... Like, he just makes cutting comments. But but nothing oh, but that's well written. Can be the harshest of all. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like we, we should be able to relate to this guy trying to impress his dad, but it just feels a bit like you you aren't really managing this. And like you know, he has a bunch of boobs working for him. So Motoro replaces Goro, and he looks a bit like Dave Grohl, looking like the shiny demon in tribute, yes. but with a horse yeah, strap to precisely him. Precisely that. No, yes. he really does. <laughs> <laughs> and he said. Play the best song in the world, or I'll eat your soul. Well, me and Kyle, we looked at each other, and we each said, okay. And we played the first thing that came to our heads, just so happened to be the best song in the world. It was the best song in the world. And then you've got uh, uh, Shiva, who is like a female Goro, and I don't know what they've done for her arms, but they're slightly different to uh, Goro's. But what's immediately apparent is they wanted her there at the beginning to go, ah, I am Shiva. And then later on, when she makes, I think, only really her second appearance, she goes, like, dates over and then gets crushed by a thing. Off screen. Off screen. Because it's like... We realised that uh, having a four-armed woman there was going to be quite expensive. Yeah, and, and what it looks like they've done with her arms, actually, is 
as opposed to with Goro, like I said, they had a puppeteer and a and a bodysuit and and they tried and um, you know remote framework going on there. Um, what it looks like they've done with Shiva is dressed her up in a costume uh, as a t- a two armed, very scary looking lady, mm-hmm. and then they've kind of photoshopped the top part of her from like the underarm around the shoulders and over the head mm-hmm. and then duplicated it duplicated yeah. it moved it up just a little bit so that she's got two sets of arms mm. and then pasted it so the lower half are mirroring the upper half yes. or vice versa yes yeah. but the, Although they the, did at several points at least make it to where they weren't just obviously mirrors they mm. were yeah the, the two sets of arms were doing two different things but it's still obvious that that's Totally what yeah. it is. It's so very apparent, yeah. Yeah, the first distant shot of her when she's standing next to that cauldron thing, she is actually, the, the top part of her is hovering slightly. Mm. <laughs> nice. And there's a bunch of ninjas there, and they go out of their way to. They, they've got Ermac, they've got Rain, Noob Cybot makes an appearance. At one mm-hmm. point, uh, the, uh, uh, Shao Kahn asks Rain, Rain, what of Cabal and Striker? And it's like, okay, we've got, yeah, it's Cabal and Striker. We we've literally mentioned everyone guys. now. This whole movie is an exercise in box ticking. Yeah. Like they had this big long list of fan service shit. And they're like, right. We're getting all of this in, or we're all getting shot in the face. Guarantee there was a Sector fan in the audience going, When is Sector going to appear? I want the red robot ninja. That was me when I finally watched this on home video. <laughs> and Shang Tsung begat Shao Kahn, and Goro begat Shiva. Yeah. And Sindel begat uh, Princess Kitana, yes. who may or may not be related to Melina, uh, whom she never meets. Mm. Um, Sindel is uh, Kitana's mum, and like the, I suppose the most ripe for drama throughout this, as in they've got a long-standing relationship, and they've fallen out at some point, and Sindel seems to despise her daughter. The problems are, one, the actress that they got to play her looks a little bit younger than Talisa Soto, possibly because Talisa Soto has a very noble bearing, so seems more mature and older. So automatically you've got someone who's clearly less mature and is hamming it up like absolute crazy. She really is. And two, her costume is, like, there's something vaguely respectable about uh, Princess Katana's sort of, like, dark black leather outfit and she almost had like a Wonder Woman vibe for a bit like the way she's sort of talking with that accent to Liu Kang and then she gets snatched away and is removed from the picture but Sindel is wearing this kind of like purple Basque cosplay thing and she like headlines the cosplay look of this whole thing like it's it looks like it is very hot topic it looks like they filmed it at a convention with a green screen or it's a porn parody, and they cut out all the sex. Or they just bought all their costumes from, like, a spirit Halloween shop. Maybe. Like, they, they're just all... They all look so cheap. Like, Jade to, you know, Sindel, and pretty much everybody in between. All of the ninja costumes, the cyborgs costumes, they all look like they were just bought from a discount Halloween store. Mm. They're all very bright. Nothing feels lived in at all. It's very costumey. Yeah, specifically Mm -hmm. a Halloween store that was going out of business. We bought 2,000 Mortal Kombat costumes we were sure we were going to sell. Sometimes I think you want to fail. 
Shut up, just shut up! <laughs> the uh, actress playing Sindel is Musetta Vander. She is indeed only three years older than Talisa Soto. And you may remember her from such films as One of the Sirens in Oh Brother Where Art Thou? The Cell with Jennifer Lopez in which she probably played a murdered girl. Assistant to Kenneth Branagh in Wild Wild West. And Lady Alara in the video game Dune 2000. She also has under occupations Editor. I can almost guarantee she'd be better than the editor of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And as you mentioned earlier, James Remar instead of Christophe Lambert. It's honestly, Lambert was one of the reasons I was like hoping for another Mortal Kombat because he was so much fun. And I was like, I'd really like to see him do more. And in fact, Remar does do some more. But they've taken away that kind of <laughs> wily trickster and now he's just real serious about everything and he's like except he's not real serious about delivery he's just real serious faced as he reads his lines from a car yeah yes. yeah it really does seem like he's kind of phoning everything in like mm. there's not a whole lot he doesn't have a whole lot of presence and i i don't mind james remar but he doesn't really bring anything special to this character in yeah. this movie not that there's much to work with uh, by the script or anything but, like that but, but we still. do know that james remar is quite capable of a, a dry kind of humor mm. i mean he's mm-hmm. very funny in uh, girl next door yeah 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 like in my mind though good. james remar is the 80s action movie bad guy that too, yeah. He kind of had his niche there, and here he seems a, uh, quite a bit out of place, and he also seems like he just does not care. Mm. Um, they, as I said, uh, Sonia is now played by a new actress, uh, Sandra Hess. Sharon said at least uh, Bridget Wilson could fight, and I went, no. Nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> is Sandra Hess better, worse, about the same? I think she's slightly better as a fighter. She's also slightly better as far as all of the, um, let's see, what's the word here? Ogling. Oh. She's much more, yeah. what's the word, boobular? Yeah, they've objectified uh, her a lot more than they did in the first film. Even so far as having her have a mud fight with another, quote, hot chick. Yeah, she was yeah. seemingly oh, yeah. up that for was, more than Bridget Wilson was there. Yeah. That mud wrestling scene was just so cringy. Like, what? That, yeah, like, oh, hey, we're really got the boys going with this one. Let's have the two scantily clad women mud wrestle. Like, what? Now, one of the uh, problems of us talking about this in such a scattershot way is because it makes it seem like from the outside, this film has some kind of narrative and that (laughs) one pathway leads to another. But in reality, as scattershot as we're making it sound, the events of this film do take place in roughly this order in with roughly this level of prep and then payoff. Mm -hmm. As in none and none. Now pretty much. Yeah. People just kind of come in and out of scenes at random. Mm. They show up for like two seconds and then they disappear entire threads of the story or dropped completely Mm -hmm. like there's not there's not a whole lot to hold on to except that this guy the big bad and his father need to be stopped Liu Kang gets set three tasks and only completes one and a bit of them and they never mention any of the others (laughs) but uh now Alex to be to be fair to be fair to be fair I'm being so unfair you did say 
that one thing doesn't lead to another. But no, it totally does. I've watched it twice. If you watch it, it what it leads chronologically one into the other. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I will say this: yes, there is a rough sort of um, a sequence of events that is vaguely concurrent, like one thing happens well, okay, and then another. Okay, thing the film happens. is but, so that is but, set up to allow Liu Kang on. to learn how to turn into a fat little dragon. Yes, there is that. <laughs> the, the significant point being that the scenes, although they do have transition of a sort, if you look away for even a second when it's cutting between one sequence and the next, you will not have a clue, my friend, how we got oh, to where we are now. I mm. watched it last night after we got done uh, doing the show. Yeah, same here. And then I watched it again this morning, and because I had already watched it, at one point my oh. phone said, and I looked down at my phone, replied to a message from Clues, looked up again, and had no idea what was going on, and I just watched it last night. I was like... <laughs> What? And I had to back it up. It's a fighting tournament. It can't be that difficult, surely. And yes. Well, it's not a fighting tournament. This one's an alien invasion. It's a a free-for-all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, there's a thing that happened at the very beginning. Two things, sorry, that happened at the very beginning that I think set the tone for the whole film. Are are you ready for this? I am ready for this. One is the classic line. You're like, Brother, you're alive. Too bad you. Dramatic pause. Will die. Will, will die. die. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is what I mean about the, the the delivery of the Sindel actress. It is off the chain levels of camp, and it feels like um the director John R. Leonetti was told go back and watch Mortal Kombat before you direct this film at least once. That way you'll be able to get a feel for it. And, and he in- said no. Instead, he watched just <laughs> lots of Power Rangers. Because like mm-hmm. the, the actual, the, the level of action, well, I said the level of action, the, the, the level of direction seems to come from more the American v- bits of Power Rangers. Oh, oh my God, you're right. You know? Yeah. And the, the costume design, and it's got that level of creaky. But it doesn't have the joy of Power Rangers. It has yeah, this it kind of... it doesn't have the fun of Power Rangers. Yeah, exactly. And I've never particularly been into Power Rangers, but I can sort of get why kids uh, were into it then and still hold it dear now. But it, like, they would all uh, say, yeah, it, it has that same, same kind of like the very bright costumes and the, the, mm-hmm. the, the non sequiturs of moving from one place to the other. The, the Power Rangers movie did something similar. If you remember the, the original one uh, as it came out and then Power Rangers Turbo did more like that. But, um, so that was the thing that set up the uh, acting tone for the film. Mm. The thing that set up the rest of the direction for the film. Okay, Alex and Sharon, you guys say this all the time. When there's a big fight happening, you've got two people up front <laughs> fighting, and what's everyone in the background doing? This is the only film I've ever seen where you have close-up shots of characters going, and it's when Shao Kahn is fighting Raiden fighting, quote-unquote, Raiden, at the very beginning, it keeps cutting to the generals, and they're literally... (laughs) They really are. It's insane. And then everybody else in the background, like the the background ninjas, all the guys in the black costumes, Mm. all they're doing is just cartwheeling and flipping into the frame constantly, and that's all they do. Just do something dynamic, I think, must have been their uh, remit. 
And um, the, 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 the arrangement of the shots, there are some classic just bungles, like... And this is generally to do with, I think, the the, the way the CGI uh, was applied. When you are introduced to the generals, so you've got Motoro, this horse guy, uh, it then it goes sideways to the left and it shows you Ermac. But because the horse guy is standing with his horsey side that way, his tail's coming up behind Ermac, which makes it look like Ermac is the one with the tail. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that thought that. Thank you. I just, I like if that's like if if that's what it looks like, remove the tail. That like no one's going to be going. Where's uh, where's Motoro's tail? Because you're looking at Ermac at that point. Mm. And I noticed that Motoro's tail was just like there was a guy laying on the ground behind him, just out of frame, just waving this thing with around. a tail on ah, a stick. Ah, that's why they yeah. couldn't remove it. It's just a tail on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> No Which is better that. than a bad CG tail in the background, but only by the tiniest of margins. Yeah. And th- there's also a magenta filter, which I think is the new star of the show. He, he It turns up whenever there's anything to do with the merger, it goes magenta. Mm. And that shows that Outworld is kind of trying to creep into our world. And they occasionally have uh, sort of stock B-roll footage of various landmarks like the Golden Gate Bridge and the Twin Towers. And the Twin Towers. Yeah. And <laughs> the it, Eiffel Tower yeah. at one point. Honestly, at that point, I was just thinking of Ed Wood trying to make Plan 9 from outer space and using stock footage of military testing with the uh, with uh, tanks going off it just it had that sensibility but none of uh, his kind of oh we're going to make us the greatest movie of all time it's also notable that Kevin Droney the original writer for Mortal Kombat was swapped out for Brent V Friedman and Bryce Zabel now here's the thing i can understand that everyone would look at the script and go well this is some bullshit and then walk I can't understand why the writer of the original film would look at the treatment and go, well, I can't make a script based on this, and walk. Surely the writing bit is the bit that you want to keep relatively consistent. Maybe they couldn't afford Kevin Droney again. Oh, my God. That could be. I, when, when you're thinking, oh, we must get Kevin Droney back because we've got to get uh, dialogue as good as the original 1995 Mortal Kombat... Your sideshow freaks attacked my fighters. At least there's there's measures of tension in the dialogue there. Mm. Anyway, so after being introduced to all the generals... Oh, and like I said, Shao Kahn kills Johnny. And I feel like this was... I think We Have Movies mentioned this, that Lyndon Ashby went, yeah, nope, after reading the script. And uh, rather than recast him like they did with Sonya, they thought, let's just... Get Jax and we'll kill Johnny here. Because if you remember, like in Mortal Kombat 3, Johnny Cage isn't around, is he? I think it was 3. It might have been in 3, yeah. Yeah, and Kano is uh, also not in it, but... 3 were... is the one that Sindel first turns up in, I yeah. think. So, yeah, yeah that and, and it's the first one where they have the, the cyborgs. And yeah. I think Cabal made his first striker is definitely the, the first appearance for him yeah. in MK3. I love how like they, they, they name-check Stryker so they don't have to have him in the film because they couldn't manage a policeman. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the easiest things to do. Just a guy in a cop uniform, his special weapon is 
a gun. gun. Just uh, you could <laughs> even just it. do a cutaway on what looks like a New York, an LA street, and just have him fighting a bunch of uh, like reptiles and going, "I have never seen anything like this," and like spraying them and throwing grenades, and that's all the striker you get. But it's like, Mom, Mom, did you see striker was in this? And uh, that way you sort of sell the fact that Outworld is infiltrating the rest of the world. I don't know. Budget didn't cover that. I don't know. That would have required some thought and planning. <laughs> yeah, some, a minor amount of effort. I don't know how you could get Cabal into this. But, but uh, yeah, they weren't... Des- a hard sell. <laughs> they weren't desperately trying to uh, make it exactly Mortal Kombat 3. Because if you remember, Sonya's not in that. Is she, hang on, is she? Yeah, she's in three. She missed two. Sonya and Kano That's were chained up in the background yeah, in one they of the were, stages. Yeah, they're two. just hanging out in the background in the second one. You're so. absolutely right. Sonya's definitely in three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Kano's technically in three, so they could have resurrected Kano, but I think they had all of these other dudes to, uh, uh, to I mean, bring back out. They resurrected Scorpion. They had to bring Scorpion. back Sub-Zero. They resurrected Scorpion with no mention of how or why, and then he goes fucking nowhere. Okay, like, let me just plot this one out. Liu Kang and Wonder Woman get into a hamster ball and go really, really fast through the Earth's core with the worst CG What ever. the hell is up with the hamster balls? And how yes. does someone from a different world know how they work? She's all intricately, and intricately, that's a word, familiar with it. <laughs> it is now. She's like, uh-oh, we've got to lean to the right here. This one jags. And it's like, what have you been doing with your 10,000 years? Just riding the hamster balls? <laughs> she much. has been perfecting gyroscope travel for 10,000 years. Yeah, who do you think built these things? And so then they get to a bridge and... Uh, they, they, Liu Kang fights Smoke, who's the the robot version of him, his previously regular ninja self. And then Sub-Zero comes along and pulls off his mask after getting rid of Smoke. Uh, like, he freezes him and then Liu Kang kicks him and he explodes. Um, and it's Justin Long, or someone who looks exactly like him, with a, a facial Justin skull. Justin Long would have been about ten at this point. So yeah. Probably and- not. <laughs> It does kind of look like Justin Long, though. It's weird. Totally. And it's like Sub-Zero is a major dude. Like, you keep Sub-Zero for the whole movie, and they don't. He then gets into a fight with Scorpion, who turns up. Just so you no, can have they a th- do explain that it's a different Sub-Zero. And yeah, that's it's, what's so baffling. Yeah, it's, it's Sub-Zero's brother or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so your beef is with my older brother. Either you explain that they are both different versions of those uh, ninja right. costumes, mm. or... Neither of them have to be. We'd be fine with that. We resurrected both Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Okay, that's fine. I'd still be fine with Scorpion didn't get to be explained how he came back. Just people say, he's a demon, he can come back. Mm. He's in the Skeleton League. But uh, at least, like, he's so much more important than Ermac. Don't... Just just have him serving Shao Kahn. But you don't need... And have him be a ringer like he's... At the end, he turns on Shao Kahn and throws a, a spear into his back and goes, Come here! People would cheer. You don't need an explanation of how Sub-Hit, Sub-Zero is here now if you're then not going to do anything <laughs> with right. that. Literally nothing. The, the fact that he is the old Sub-Zero's younger brother... Is irrelevant. Completely yeah, it doesn't irrelevant. Amount to anything. No. They don't do anything with that point. There's no. There's, and he's barely in it. Like you said, like there should have been a major role for him. If you're going to resurrect him anyway, then have him actually do something. Have yeah. him play more of a role in this film. Have but him. He shows oh, I don't one know. Scene. Seek to avenge his dead brother. It's not like you haven't got 
form for doing exactly that. Yeah, you guys are looking at the whole Sub Zero as other Sub Zero's brother as a plot point. No, no, no. It was a box check because that's what it is in Mortal Kombat Three. So you check the box, you move on. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they, they would have been better off thinking about this as, as like, okay, we've got all these people who can do all these fighting things. Um, we aren't going to tell bit, like stories about growth like we did before. So what we can do is, much like the story mode, follow one character as he then goes and fights one person, and then follow that character who then goes and fights one person, and just uh, just go like move through the ranks and with a larger story sort of happening o- over it. And then just like each time you have the fight, kind of focus on the fight and make it feel like a Mortal Kombat fight like by having it in the appropriate background. They sort of do that... But they're also trying to spin a story out of it as well. And, and that's what suffers and that's what's bad. Like, we, we would understand if Sub-Zero wasn't in it as much, if Jade wasn't in it so much, or if um, <laughs> Motoro gets way too much screen time. Like, at one point he says to Shao Kahn, I will personally hunt down every single human soul. And it's like... That's that. That's that's, that's going to take a while. You're overreaching, honey. Think before you put that on your goals for this year. <laughs> again, we hate movies legs. said you this. You can do it twice as fast. Again, we hate movies said this already, but it's a very fine point to make that this one goofball of a general is, and they're all sort of like fighting with each other for who can be best. And again, that's that's a very Power Rangers thing to do. You got the the second in commands all vying for a, a piece mm-hmm. of the pie. Yeah. But so I um, don't want to be the favorite. After like, Sub Zero number two and Scorpion uh, have their little scrap, and again, it's it's remarkably slavish to the uh, existing Mortal Kombat law. Very little said isn't actually accurate. It's weird. Like, it's it's almost it's 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 too accurate to the law and and uh, and not enough um, creative decisions are made in terms of making anything of this. If you know what I mean. Um, making a movie of it. Yeah, making a story of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scorpion then warps... Like, for, Sub-Zero falls and he can't get up. <laughs> and Liu Kang goes to help him while Scorpion jumps behind Kitana and goes, Suckers! And then disappears and back into this sort of purple squidgy blob thing. Best actor in this movie? Ed Boon doing the voice of Scorpion again. Yeah, I believed it was <laughs> Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But I did, there is another thing, you know, remember in the first movie, mm. they only sort of hinted at the various special moves that each character does? Mm-hmm. In this yeah. game, they're blatantly showing them. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. the very they're, first they're... thing you see is Shao Kahn charging, and then Raiden going, Yeah, they're digging their heels into the special moves, like Sub-Zero does his thing where he makes a clone of himself out of ice and uses that as kind of like a decoy. That's in there. He makes an ice bridge for people to slip and slide on. <laughs> there's all, yeah, there's all kinds of nonsense going on. If you want to have fun with the kids, Sub-Zero slip and slide. <laughs> 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 
So, uh, Katana's now gone, and that's a shame, because when she turns up again later, Talisa Soto is, again, giving way too much acting chops to this uh, role. She's got, like, Sindel is on a slab. They've caught her, and kind of, like, I think, like, during a fight, Jax apparently has knocked her out, but we never actually get to see that happen. She's just unconscious at the end of the fight, because it's incoherent. Um, oh yeah, Jade. Jade takes care of Sindel completely off screen. She just oh, comes yeah? back in to say, "Oh, hey, what guys? Guess what? Uh, just so you know, I took care of Sindel. She's unconscious. We got her in the back. Let's go." Right. Okay. Well, yeah. So Sindel's lying on a slab, and um, Kitana, who, by the way, does a, does get to have a little bit of fan action later. Oh, sorry, earlier during when Liu Kang's fighting Smoke. Like I said, a bunch of nondescript, nameless ninjas turn up for the girl to fight because she can't possibly handle her own against a named character. Like she certainly wouldn't want to be fighting. I don't know. Just pick a name out of a hat, Melina. Melina. Someone yeah. that she actually has a dramatic connection to. Because that could be the thing. They could be like Katra and Shira. Like, you know, we've both got a beef with our mother. I was just going to say, like, that, again, would require thought and planning and some kind of a, some kind of a narrative through line. Mm. It's worth noting, by the way, Alex has now spent more time on devising potential plot and script for this than the actual writers did. Oh, than any of them did. <laughs> yeah, it As must have. Uh, they did try to get... Uh, Talisa Soto to fight against Melina, but she wouldn't do it in the mud. So she said, oh yeah, well you're getting put in a cage. Do you know who will do it in the mud? Yeah, Sonya. with Sandra Hess. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> okay, I just made that up, but it sounds uh, painful, oh. doesn't it? You know what? That's, that, <laughs> that could was be so entirely plausible. true. <laughs> I, would not, uh, I would not say that you were wrong to think that. So they, they never thought to themselves, okay, if for nothing else, they're sisters. Why would you want to see an erotic two sisters fighting in the mud sequence? I mean, and one of them's a monster I'm not that as one. well. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but like I said, like so, so uh, Talisa Soto's like, oh mother, and like she's got this shitty lines to to say, but she's like doing acting with her face, like this is actually hurting me inside. And then Sindel sort of wakes up and goes. I do not love you at all. I despise you, child. And Talisa sort of like, oh, okay, sorry. I'm sorry I brought it. There you go. I guess we're with this right now. And there's no real resolution to this story. What happens to Sindel in the end? Anyone? Uh, she's she, suddenly good again. Really? Yeah, she just kind of turns good, and all of a sudden she's back to her old self and... She and Katana are fine now. Really? I'd forgotten that. I thought she exploded. Oh, no, she she shows up at the end and her hair is back to normal. She looks moderately sane. You know, she doesn't look like she has all this crazy hair and makeup stuff going on. She's in normal clothes and she and Katana just kind of hug it out. And uh, that's the end of of their storyline, I guess. The final shot of the film is, uh, let's see, Jack's... Sonia, Liu Kang, Kitana, and the newly reformed Sendel all arm in arm, taking literally four steps, and then it cuts to the weird Mortal Kombat logo. Don't get me started on how bad the last, like, two minutes of this movie are. <laughs> oh, man. I think I want to get you started on that. Uh, there's, well, um, we're not there yet. 
Immediately <laughs> after the suckers bit, uh, we cut to Sonia and... Is she on her own? She, she goes to, like, an old quarry. Yeah, and- Raiden drops her off. Yeah. So she can go find Jax. Yeah, and, and she goes into an off. old facility and finds Jax there. And imagine, like, the they... Do you think they contacted the guy who played Jax in the original Mortal Kombat and said, do you want to come back and play Jax? And then he looked at the script and went, oh, fuck no. Uh, No, actually, I bet they didn't. Did you know, by the way, Alex, I don't know how familiar uh, you and Sharon are with this, and Maya, I don't know how old you are, so I might be the, the wrinkled old man here, but two of the actors in this film were American gladiators. Yay! Oh, oh, was Sonya oh, one of them? Oh, really? Yeah, it was, uh, Lotaro was Malibu. Right. And Shax okay. was Saber. Oh, so not Sonya at all. So so Saber that and Malibu. That totally makes sense, because if you see pictures of uh, the actor that plays Lotaro, like, out of the makeup and everything, mm. he is gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like an amateur bodybuilder. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It also explains why Jax is like, I've got Mr. Ed at the end, and then these two gladiators have a little bit of a fight. Was American yeah. Gladiators just like a blatant attempt to mainstream wrestling? Wrestling uh, was mainstream at the time. Yeah, it wrestling was, was almost way more mainstream. Like, yeah, it was it was definitely mainstream at that point, but it was almost like a combination of professional wrestling, like uh, the physical challenges from Double Dare and like an early, early version of a men- of um, Ninja Warrior. Okay, so it's kind of like Legends of the Hidden Temple, but with uh, WWE. Yeah, but people like actively come out to like bash you with the big foam. Oh yeah, no, we, we know we had our own British gladiators simply called gladiators. But I just I wondered whether there was a significant difference between the two because the British version felt more like a polished. It's a knockout. <laughs> I don't know what it's a knockout is any more than we know what Ninja Warrior Good is. Point. <laughs> okay. um, imagine having to do a, a, an obstacle course dressed as SpongeBob SquarePants. Jesus. Ah, okay. Yeah. So Saturdays. Oh, well, I mean, while no. people throw things at, while people throw custard pies. And so, like, like that, that thing at the end of Shaun of the Dead, where they were getting yes. zombies to yes. slip and slide yeah. around on a thingy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wanna be the very best, like no one ever was. Do you feel the power of the gladiator? Do you have the will and the skill? Do you have the speed, the strength, the heart to be a winner? It's that for beginners, deep down in your soul. So, Sonya finds Jax, and apparently he's had, like, cyborg arm bits attached to him. Uh, remember I said in the first Mortal Kombat that rather than art, there should have been Jax, and he had his whole arm, both of his arms removed. That way he could have had, like, boom, 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 like, proper cyborg arms here. But instead it's like he's been enhanced. And then when Raiden meets him, he's like, oh, Jax. 
Why are you doing this? You don't need to have like cyborg Im- implants, and you, you are all that you need to be underneath all of that. You don't need them. And Jax needs yeah. to go. I need to realize that I am man enough and strong enough to fight this horse man. And it's like, yes. no, he's and he's a minotaur. We hate movies did this as well. He's like ninety percent horse and forty percent man. So he's like a hundred and thirty percent of an animal. You need a bit of an extra thing on your arms exactly. here to fight like, him. So- yeah, Sonia specifically says like, "Oh, you're still insecure about yourself. That's why you need the like." Okay, there are fighters in this whole you know a realm that can like turn themselves into demons they can warp from one side of the room to the other they can make ice they can spit fire one of them is a literal skeleton yeah like (laughs) you kind of need a little bit of a leg up i don't know i'm okay with jacks having some in air quotes enhancements like striker brings a gun along what tripped me out is that this entire facility is empty but there's a dude still strapped to a table where is everybody doesn't matter we got boxes to check. Hurry up. Get him out. And as yeah, soon as she fly- Everybody else saw the writing on the wall. They're like, I'm getting out of here before the whole world goes upside down. And Jax is like, wait, wait, they're not done sinking yet. I got to I gotta get these enhancements right. So Jax is like 28 days later at this point. Only yeah. the Outworld merger only happened recently. So it's actually more like 28 minutes later. Well, I was going to say, I wondered <laughs> about that. Because the, the way he's talking to Sonya, it does kind of feel like, or the way she's talking about how abandoned it is, it does sort of feel like everybody left some time ago Mm. how long was he on that table before he started thinking where's everybody gone and I think I I have to pee I mentioned at the beginning that someone who looks like Johnny Cage turns up and then immediately goes to shadow kick the emperor and then gets grabbed and like like Bane snapped over a, a knee and the woman playing Sonia is supposed to shout Johnny, but if you look at her mouth, she seems to be just going, I You had one job at this point, which is to get this lady to scream the name of the guy who isn't actually the guy getting killed. The desynchronized ADR in this one is worse than the desynchronized mm. ADR in the first one. But it's it's oh, yeah, a- they're they're adding lines to people who aren't even talking sometimes. Like, there's a, there are a couple of lines that Shao Kahn has when he's got his skull mask on, mm-hmm. and his mouth is not moving at all. Yeah. But, yeah, like, killing Johnny Cage, who was one of the most fun bits of the first movie, at the beginning, is a really great way of saying, okay, you remember all that fun you used to have? Well, kiss goodbye to that. We're going to kill a facsimile of what that fun used to look like. So I wonder if Lyndon Ashby decided no because you killed him at the beginning – or Lyndon Ashby said no, and they went, this other guy sucks. Yeah. We'll just kill him at the beginning. Yeah, no, I think that this is, uh, again, WHM theorized this, that, that uh, they, they had to deal with the fact that Ashby said no, and uh, they brought, brought Jackson and then gave him this hang-up for no reason uh, to um, kind of just make up the numbers. Mm. Because that was the one thing lacking from this film. <laughs> Not enough characters. Oh, my God. Each of the three, so, so Jackson, Sonia, and Liu Kang both learn something in the heaviest of air quotes. It's what like, does Sonia learn? Uh, she calls for help that one time. Remember, she said, "Jack, oh, help!" Yeah, and she's, she's, yeah, she does. Well, she asks so for help. The thing she, she finally learns. asks for help. 
the thing she learns is the thing she was supposed to fucking learn in the first in film. The, in the first yeah. one, yeah. And it's important well, she that we it again. Re- reiterate how not very good Sonya is at fighting because when Jax, like when she finds Jax, immediately they're attacked by a yellow ninja robot and Jax goes, oh, I'm going to fight this yellow ninja robot. You fight these nameless nobody ninjas over there. And then Sonya's like, right, I'll fight this guy and this guy over here because named characters, again, can't really be uh, fighting. I'm starting to believe that either Larry, what's his name? Kazanoff. Or the entire writing team of both movies have really, really got a fixation about girls who won't ask them for help. Mm-hmm. Or girls who don't want their help. But the, after like uh, uh, Jax um, kills and Sonya, I think, finishes off uh, Cyrax, he's got this tattoo and again, oh my God, we hate tattoos. movies said this. Jim oh Sterling God. said this. Why would you tattoo a robot? <laughs> and later on, Melina has the same tattoo. Fantastic point. Are these the tattoos that turn into figment? Yeah, they turn into the like Spyro yes. of the Dragon. It yes. goes, They're using and flies exactly off. the same animation like, oh, sequence. Spiro, look at that. Yeah. yeah. And Raiden explains in far too much detail what this is, and it comes to nothing. It's like, oh, this is like a a, a way of getting around uh, Outworld or something like that. Yeah. Like the tattoo and thing means nothing. Well, all the bad guys have tattoos. Raiden, why do you have one of them too? It's almost like it's a weird, like we have to be distrustful of Raiden for like two seconds, but he explains it away and then it comes to Oh, nothing. actually it does come to something sort of. Doesn't he say that he, he's he's the Emperor's brother, isn't he? Yeah. Or Yeah, he's related. Now suddenly Raiden's uh, related to Shao yeah. Kahn. Boy, that, that, that almost seems like uh, there could be quite a lot of family drama in there with them both trying to... Uh, like, nope, nope, moving on. One of them trying to live up to their father. One of them not wanting to live up to their father and being fine with it. And no, <clears throat> no, we're not. <sighs> okay, well, yeah, um, it does lead to one of the best lines in the movie, which is Sonia saying, I've seen that tattoo today earlier on a robot and a woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, So then uh, Liu Kang, while all this is going on, is going off on a vision quest and he's looking for help. And he gets attacked by this camera that turns into a briefly turns into a man with a wolf's head, um, which then turns into Nightwolf, who goes, pretty cool, huh? It's my animality. And... Then says something about, you've got to learn your animality, be a dragon. And then Lou goes, I don't think I know how. And he goes, well, you've got three tasks. First, you've got to blah, blah, blah. Then you've got to blah, blah, blah. Oh, he doesn't spell out what they are even. Right. you got three tasks. you got three tasks. Oh, yeah. Three Bye. Tasks. Here, here's, a, here's an axe to your chest. Bye. <laughs> He's like, there's a slow way we can put you in a dreamlike state. Spoilers, that means taking some ayahuasca or some peyote or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there's a fast way. He's like, we don't have time for the slow way. So he thuds him okay. in the head with an axe. <laughs> and that's the same as tripping on peyote. Did a you know that? Way. I didn't know that. Well, Joey, it's a, ma- it's a magic enchanted hatchet. So obviously it's going to make him go on a vision quest and um, find a jade who is really really thirsty for Liu Kang and oh then uh, teach him how she... to turn into a dragon, obviously. She's got fuck eyes for him. It's all over the place. Yeah, and she... wait, 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 wait. Uh, Nightwolf, I think, as, as weird as this is going to sound, is my favorite 
character in this character, I use that term insanely loosely, in this movie because he, much like Christopher Lambert and uh, Kara Hiroyuki Tanaka, Tagawa, were having the was the only person having fun with his mm. character agreed he did seem to be having fun with the character he was playing it up a little bit he's chewing on the scenery a little bit but he's also you know like i don't know if you're gonna introduce somebody like night wolf then use him for something more than just this one scene where he throws an axe into someone's chest there will be no I, using we don't have time we got boxes to check <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot we have to have multiple clones of Baraka, so there's that. <laughs> so, like we said earlier, Jade turns up, like, it, it's in the snow, and she's wearing a bikini, and she presses Liu Kang's face into her tits, and goes, there, there, Liu Kang. And Liu Kang's like, mmm, this is comforting, but my heart is al- already belongs to another. And she's like, oh, really? And then turns into, like, fully costumed green jade, mm-hmm. smacks him about with a stick, and then goes, that was your first test, and you passed. <laughs> Lesser men would have gone to town on those titties. My heart belongs to another, but my hands are really cold, so let me just grope your ass a bit. <laughs> So, so like the th- once he's passed the third test, he will be able to turn into a dragon. Am do, I right with that? Does he ever actually take Correct. the third test? I don't think so. I, I think that think might have been so. in some is of the, the stuff third... that was deleted. Well, is the third test just him actually transforming into the dragon? Like you have to actually just transform into this Hulk completely, out. and then okay, that's your third challenge. You did it. Bear in mind, his, his second challenge in the first film was just being told you will die and going nah. <laughs> His arc, and I use that term again insanely loosely Ooh. in this movie, is everyone tells him the entire movie, Luke Kang, you're not ready. Hey, by the way, you're not ready. Hey, you're not ready. You are not ready. Luke Kang, you are not ready. And then all of a sudden, uh, Katana is like, but we believe in you. And he's like, I'm good. Okay, I'm, like, I'm ready what? now. <laughs> all it took was for people to stop telling him he wasn't ready. <laughs> so we've learned that everyone else needs to shut the fuck up. That. Imagine how much different this film would be if Shinnok had just learned that and then just got off of Shao Kahn's nuts. Yeah, and said, so, you while. know what, son? I believe you can do this merger. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy <laughs> your success. <laughs> He's like, Thanks, Father, Dad. I will definitely do it. Also, and this is really important to note, everybody on the baddie side has a thick accent. Like, uh, you've got Sindel... Uh, Sh- Chinook himself and Shao Kahn and Motoro and uh, Shiva and I think Ermac as well. English is nobody's first language, which isn't their fault, but it does make the terrible dialogue sound even worse because they're slightly unfamiliar with the words as they kind of bimble out of their mouths. My squads have already claimed thousands of innocent souls on Earth. And I would have claimed millions. By now, you'd be behind bars on display in a zoo. If those bars could keep me away from you, Shiva, I would welcome them. Islands! What is your report? Two of Earth's best warriors have already been taken. Cabal and Stryker. Tell me, did you make them beg for their lives before you destroyed them? But Master, I thought if I let them... I have no use for excuses! Centaurs are known for the hunting prowess. As your general, I will personally hunt down every human soul and spare no one. Mataro can't be trusted. 
Long ago, I proved myself as the personal protector of Queen Sindel. Your orders are mine to follow. The energies they waste with their sniveling, I would use to capture souls for you. No. You are all far too impetuous for such important work. It was not my fault. I did everything you ordered. It was your job to lure them to an ambush. If they escaped, then you failed me! You are already dead. And you will be shown. Honestly, it feels like Shao Kahn kills more of his generals than the humans do. Dude, I, I looked up the only... actress that plays Jade. Mm -hmm. She's Russian. So she's Russian playing a smoldering Asian temptress. With a French wow. accent. Yeah, what? I didn't realize that. But yeah, they, they seem to have traded some of the fake French accents like uh, Chinook has it now instead of Raiden. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you Sorry. Did you fall for the semi-naked lady thing? I totally fell for that. <laughs> Lost a good girlfriend in the act. Can she fight as good as she looks? Dude, you're a god! <sighs> so, uh, I, I put in the uh, next bit in the notes, could be filmed very cheaply in a quarry, because Sonia and Jax, in their wandering, wander into a quarry, which immediately turns into a fight as Jax, much like Johnny Cage when uh, Lou is fighting Re um, Reptile in that first one, seems to just disappear while Sonya is fighting Melina in the mud. And as we said, it's totally out of nowhere. It's uh, totally exploitative. And it's not even well shot. Like, this is one of those uh, uh, things where actually Zack Snyder directing would have made it, like, to, to get it to that, or, or even Michael Bay, to get it to the sleaze level you're trying for. I suppose if it was Zack Snyder, the whole point would be no more handouts. This is to just prove that I really am this strong in the mud. And, you know, very, very slow motion, punching a woman in the face. It's not even good sleaze, though. Yep, that's what I mean. It's just cheap-looking tat. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, that's the right word for pretty much this entire movie is lazy. Lazy. And yeah, mm -hmm. at the same time, they're, they're, they're trying in the wrong places, like the accuracy regarding the uh, uh, the characters. Um, well, and you guys call it lazy. Did you see how many boxes they checked? <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, it's it's bizarre and absurd. You may as well have fun with it. All of these actors just just like have a dry look on your face that says, "Yeah, we know," the whole time, but they don't. Like, they're, they're taking it too seriously. Which, in many ways, makes it better. Um, but uh, honestly, sort but of. But you were right about it not meeting like the room levels of, of this is ridiculously terrible and therefore hilarious. And, and I think it's because there is no one person who is really lending this the "I believe in this project" mm. vibe. Yeah. Literally nobody. Mm. Even poor Robin Shu is like, I guess I'm contractually obligated. He just seems yeah. frustrated and confused the whole time. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and like, in the first movie, he, he had a little bit of levity to him. You know, he's kind of joking around a little bit. He kind of takes the piss out of Johnny Cage at one point. He throws his luggage into the water. Like, he does things that give him a little bit of spark and a little bit of personality. And here he's 
Again, he is a wet blanket. Everybody is a wet blanket in this movie. Mm. Yeah, but chances are the fact that he and Talisa Soto came back suggests that to some extent they believed in what they did the first time round and wanted the opportunity to carry mm. on with that. Maybe Talisa Soto watched the film from 1995 and went, they did pretty well with my character. You know, I, I would like to do more of that and deepen her and... Ugh. There seems to be something to do with my mother in this script. I didn't, you know, just and so. And you turn up, the script is bad, yep. the costumes are worse, everyone's the gone home. The CG is terrible, the, the, <laughs> yeah, there is no tennis ball budget. And your character is stuck in a cage for two thirds of the movie, so. <laughs> you can hardly blame those two for seeming mm. somewhat lethargic and, and uninspired. Immediately following the mud wrestle, this thing creeps up behind Sonia, and this is what... Who, who said the thing about the CG not seeming like it was directly being shot for that particular framing? Oh, me, you? the background oh, Sharon, yeah. didn't match okay. with the, the CG. Can anyone describe this thing? Because I felt like this was going to be a big thing that had to be fought, but it was just sort of there. It's Okay, lo- it's, okay go for it. Alex, I, I just I just want to uh, so I I wrote down something in my notes about the mud wrestling scene, and then immediately following that, I wrote in all caps, "What is this CG monster?" <laughs> question mark question mark question mark. It looks like I think that's a good summation of what the heck this thing is supposed to be. It looks like it's supposed to have skin with texture on it, but because it's missing that final layer, everything underneath that was supposed to be obscured by the skin is on show and has no texture. Mm-hmm. So it's this disgusting skinned dragon creature. Well, it it looks like, you know, in the first one, reptile when they punched his statue to yeah. get the little reptile mm-hmm. thing came out. It looks like they've taken that reptile and then fed it and fed it and fed it and fed it. Inflated it, yeah. Until it just swelled to the point where all of its muscles kind of stretched and split and so all you can see is that it's insidey parts. And then it's got this tiny little horrible reptile face mm. still attached to the front of it. It looks like maybe a Resident Evil mm. enemy in the early design stage. Mm. Before. Did anyone ever play uh, Medieval uh, for the PlayStation? I think it was on PS1, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like they just lifted it something straight out of like a big boss and just lifted it out of that game, which is a game about a knight whose head is a skull, by the way. It's goofy. And just dropped it <laughs> in Mortal Kombat and said, perfect. I would Shouldn't say. Yeah. do some? Nope, perfect. Just get Jax to stand, I don't know, there and treat it like a, a punching bag. Yeah, Jax punches it repeatedly in the butt, and then it goes, ah, and then crawls back inside That's to the I thing it emerged it from. It was leaves. about to bite Sonya, Son- and then Jax, like, who who did nothing but stare at the mud wrestling. That's what I mean about the framing, though, because it's like, okay, actor playing Jax, stand there and punch vaguely downwards. We'll put the CG thing in under your hand. Assuming at that point that the part of it that would go under his hand was his head, and then they got it the wrong way around. Mm-hmm. I would hazard that this might be the worst CG that has ever been in a film that got into cinemas that has live action in it. Like you, you could like if you compare it to something like uh, anything in Food Fight. Oh, but then again, some of them had textures. Some of it's the same stuff, though, isn't it? You know, there was a yeah, racist it- dragon in Food Fight. Maybe it was that, but in an early stage, mm. possibly. Because it, I mean. 
you are right to compare this to, you know, not just because the animation team was largely the same, but it does look a lot like Food Fight. It's so weird. Mm. And uh, the fact that it's this CG is up against people, so you can you can really tell the difference between what's mm. real and yeah. what is a pe- a hunk yeah. of CGI it- shit. Mm. It's 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 harder. Like if if in the Lawnmower Man, when they're in cyberspace and everything <laughs> looks like crap, it's like within the context of that, you can kind of get That's away funny. with it. This is exactly what I was saying about the the uh, the in the beginning the animated thing that we watched. Oh, the Mortal Kombat in Goro the beginning with thing, his yeah. egg fight. Yeah. Um, the worst thing about that was that you had scenes where you had hand drawn characters on. CG backgrounds, and then it would mm. cut to a, a sequence with, that was entirely CG. I'm not saying it would have been watchable, but at least if it had been all CG, the mm. context of everything being at that same level of, of render would have felt vaguely natural. But you compare it to the hand drawn, you sat there thinking, well, they've got better right there. So, what? How? Yeah. Why? I mean, if you've got a really great team, you can merge the two together really well. The um, Iron Giant is a 3D model on hand-drawn backgrounds, yeah. and that looks absolutely wonderful because mm. the, the team the, knew what the they blending. were doing. Yeah. It's just the sort of, throw it in there, that'll do. It, who cares? It's for kids. Which I feel like is... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh... Lawrence Kazanov's mantra. Who cares? It's for kids. And then he's really good at talking it up in the meetings and convincing people to give him money. That's Lawrence Kazanov. Don't give but him not any lots money. Of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this thing costs 30 million. Freaking crazy rich Asians cost 30 million. Yeah. Oh yeah, my God. and that movie is beautiful. Yep. That's that's oh. insane to think of of a comparison like that, especially because, you know, 30 million in 1997, 96 would have gone pretty far. in 20 years later. Yeah, exactly. And here's kind of the crux of the matter. Here is the really suspicious piece of information. The original Mortal Kombat film looking... Sounding, acting, editing, presented way, way better than this. $18 million. Two years later, this exploding garbage fire, $30 million. And bear in mind, this is the guy, Lawrence Kazanoff, who claimed that there was an act of industrial espionage that meant all the hard drives with all the good animation for Food Fight got stolen. Bearing in mind the budget for Food Fight, taken from various investors, was between 45 and 65 million. And again, I've asked this before, how are you not sure whether it's 45 or 65? That's 20 million dollars that may or may not have been invested in this thing. Just under a third of the potential budget. Kubo and the Two Strings cost 60 million dollars. If an N64 had a nightmare, and you could see inside its mind, it would look like Food Fight. Obviously, check out our Food Fight episode for the shady shenanigans that seemed to be going on backstage there. It ended up having to be purchased by the Firemen's Union for distribution. I don't want to point fingers here or cast undue aspersions. But put it like this. If I gave Lawrence Kazanoff $30 million, 
and then what he brought to the screen was Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I'd wonder where the other $29 million went. What are you talking about? The money from that Lourdes thing. <laughs> Different thing altogether, Dougal. First of all, that money was just resting in my account before I moved it on. It was resting for a long time, Ted. Yes, <laughs> a good long rest. Look, Dougal, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. And here's a figure that's going to burn your ass. That 30 million inflation adjusted for now is $55 million. And even if you adjusted the 2011 budget of The Raid, which was $1.1 million, you could make The Raid 36 times for the budget of one Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I just found something that makes me sad. Last episode, I joked that, hey, maybe Ray Park was one of the random uh, background ninjas that was fighting. Mm -hmm. He was? He is. Ray Park is Raptor number three and uh, the Tarkatan, that's the Baraka's race, number two. Mm -hmm. Well, they in, didn't in, use him uh, very well. well. <laughs> yeah, he's a background. Okay, so I, I had briefly mentioned this at the end of our last episode, but I just, if I could talk about some positive things. Go for this it, movie. please. Okay, please. Just to give us a little bit of light in this. So I mentioned that pretty much the only joy I would take from watching Mortal Kombat Annihilation another time is the fact that I could point out all of the stunt performers that I knew that worked in this movie. And it's it's an absolute shame because it is so much talent going to waste. So, for instance, Ermac is played by uh, John Medlin, who is a very accomplished stunt coordinator. He has worked on, uh, he was a coordinator for Supergirl before it went to Canada. He was on the Vampire Diaries for a long time. He has, um, he's worked on a bunch of stuff. He's been around forever. Awesome, awesome guy. Completely wasted on the character of Ermac, mm -hmm. right? We've got J.J. Perry, Arguably one of the best fighters in the industry. He is absolutely amazing. Plays Scorpion, Noob Sabot, and Cyrax. So they recycled him a bunch in this movie. And he does some really, really great work. Like, when you watch his fight scenes, they're some of the best in the entire movie. Yeah, but again, Cyrax his, actually was quite intimidating. Yeah, yeah. like, his, his talent, though, is, like... God, like for for playing three different characters, you would expect hopefully that they would be good, and they're just not. So it's like, well, that was cool that JJ got to do these cool fights, but it's a shame that they're in this movie. And then you've got Baraka, the the Barakas, I should say, one of which is played by Ray Park, who of course is a, a great movement artist, a great fighter, and then the main Baraka guy is Dennis Kiefer. Another really amazing stunt coordinator and performer who's been in like all of the John Wick movies. He's been in almost all of the Fast and Furious movies. He's just, again, been around forever. These really, really talented guys. And it's like, I love being able to say, oh, hey, that's Dennis. That's JJ. That's John. Like, I know all these guys and that's awesome. But to see them wasted in this piece of garbage, is it just hurts my heart so much. It's where no one's going to appreciate them, but we can at least retroactively acknowledge, them, acknowledge them here yeah but that again is like you had 30 million what the f did you spend it on 
I suppose part of me can at least take heart that if they spent it on talent that they then didn't use, at least the talent got some money out of it. Um, I would hope that they got some money out of it. I mean, even with talking, like, um, I've worked with John quite a bit in the past, and and he mentioned that he was in it. I was like, oh, who were you? He's like, I was Ermac. I was like, are you kidding me? You were Ermac in Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation? And he said that the he, at least had, he at least had fun. <laughs> Working Good. on it, he was like, "Yeah, it was it was a fun Good. production. It's a terrible movie. That. Like they acknowledged that it was absolutely horrible, but they mm. at least had a good time. Excellent. So, yeah. well, that's at least there's that. Yes. Looking at publicity stills, apparently, re- do you know, you know the bit where James Remar apparently fought two reptiles at once in that uh, room that looked exactly the same as the one place where Liu Kang fought one reptile? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Ray Park doubling for uh, uh, James Remar, who of course can't do all those kung fu kicks. Yeah." Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, Raiden comes back with a haircut now, looking like Ray Park. and performance oh, anxiety. Baffling. Yeah, uh, he also looks a bit like Sting. When I watched it when I was a kid, I was like, yeah. "Why does he look like Sting?" He does kind of look like Sting. It's really weird, and it it doesn't look very good. Like I can understand not wanting to wear the wig anymore because they get uncomfortable, but his hair just does not look good. Mm. And I mean, they do flag the fact that his powers are going to start to reduce because he's taken mortal form, but it still comes off as as though all of it was in the hair. And around about this time, a bunch of horses ride past and it's like they've gotten, they've recruited an army of reenactors to sort of be this uh, uh, army of of nobodies who never get used for anything apart from riding past on horses. But if you notice, Sindel is there... And she's got her face covered in a black shroud. And I was like, why? Because you then later see her on horseback. Uh, and as, uh, uh, my theory originally was that they couldn't ensure this lady playing Sindel to ride the horse because it would be too expensive. So they just got a stunt, a stunty who could legally ride the horse. Uh, and they just sort of covered her face in a black shroud. Uh, but now I'm just more along the lines of she just wasn't there on that day. So they went, fine, <laughs> fuck it. Honestly, it could be either one. Like, actors have horse doubles mm. quite a bit in films, especially if they're traveling at any kind of, yeah. like, pretty much anything above a trot, and they're like, this might get too dangerous, or it's too scary for the actors, because yeah. they're not used to riding horseback. Yeah, going in a full gallop on a horse can be absolutely terrifying oh, yeah. if you've never done it before. With loads of other so, horses behind you as well. Exactly. And they, they, oh God, horses are so freaking jumpy. Mm. Um, so yeah, they can, they can spook very easily. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's a liability thing. Sometimes it's whatever the actor's comfort level is mm. and whether or not they're, they feel okay doing a horseback riding scene at that speed, or it could be just a matter of they weren't there at the time. Yeah. If you look at very closely at the end of the two towers, when Gandalf is up on a mountaintop with a, with uh, Theoden and Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, um, if you look at Eomer, it's his stunt double, and they were going to digitally replace his face with that of Carl Urban's, but then they forgot. So there's this complete nobody on the left or the right. I can't remember which. <laughs> I checked. It's the left. Just watch out for like for, for not Aoman next time you're watching the Two Towers. You see that a lot with these films that were made before, like filming all digital and uh, filming for HD was really a thing. Mm. Like um, if you go back and watch Face Off, mm-hmm. the whole boat, boat sequence. sequence at oh the yeah, end, they were not trying to hide that <laughs> shit. It is so funny to watch because it's just the two stunt guys on the boat doing their thing. And it's like, wow, 
they're really letting these guys have their moment in the sun, aren't they? <laughs> so, but, but here's the thing. They, this is a very deeply sloppy movie. And honestly, like, just you get a stunt lady uh, riding past uh, because Sindel wasn't there on the day uh, in Sindel's costume. And, you know, you, it's from enough of a distance that the average person isn't going to notice. However, they put the black shroud there. That makes me think that the person riding Sindel's horse is a big bearded man. Something like with a face that's definitely not hers. So like, it had to be so markedly different that they had to throw the black shroud on. It's a bit of lampshading, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's weird. And then suddenly later on, uh, in, apparently in the same couple of moments, she's on a horse just sort of grinning away. So anyway, um, so Ryden comes back with a haircut, fights a bunch of reptiles in a farcical fashion. Meanwhile, Jax knocks Sindel out and Lou fights the worst looking Baraka ever. It's this kind of, oh... Mike Hearn, who was on last week's Mortal Kombat 95 episode, asked why does Baraka look like a rejected Five Nights at Freddy's design on Twitter, and my response was because the working budget of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the working budget, mark you, was roughly commensurate with the police auction price of a condemned Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, Did you know what the original Baraka that was digitized in the Mortal Kombat 2 was? Well... Mm -hmm. It, it was a rubber mask mm-hmm. on the guy that played Kano, weirdly yeah. enough. It was a rubber mask, and to make the teeth big and weird enough so that they would show up in the crappy resolution of digitization, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is right. They stuck Lee Press-On nails on, uh, on the front oh my so that it would make teeth. Wow. And us old people are like, oh, Lee Press-On nails, I remember those. And I swear that's almost what they did for this same thing that in the film. Is- you're right. That's almost what it looks like. That yeah, they just took some <laughs> some long press on nails, some press on fake nails, and put it on a rubber mask. I mean, uh, poor Dennis. But okay, question: Which would you rather see in a film? Eight characters done really pretty well, or thirty characters done badly? But they can't do eight <laughs> characters really well. So do you want eight characters done badly, or do you want thirty characters done badly? <laughs> Yeah, we're we're talking quantity over quality for sure. Absolutely. Let's just throw what we can at the camera, occasionally, literally, in the hope that people (laughs) will just be so overwhelmed by how faithful we are to the game that they won't notice all the other shit. So faithful. Um. (laughs) How how many boxes I've been able to tick off on my list of characters that they included for annihilation. Um, still really upset because there's no sector yeah there's no sector and i didn't see kung lao anywhere but you know to be fair they kind of uh they kind of combined smoke and sector for this movie so he kind of has that (laughs) sorry i can only keep it up for so long before i just imagine steven sajak doing it and then i just laugh century with that accent and Maya has to do it. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I'll, I'll, I, oh, yes, please, sign me up. I will Just like a random background extra. Uh, but you know who wasn't in there? Kintaro. He was my favorite. He's like Goro, but he's got tiger stripes. Mom, I'm going to write into Winter Magazine to tell them how angry I am that Melina didn't have her weird fucked up teeth in this movie. <laughs> oh <Yes. my> god. <laughs> Also, I feel attacked for the comment. 
<laughs> oh, is Katara your favourite character, Chewie? Uh, it's my favourite of the bosses, yeah. Oh, I meant <laughs> every word I said. <laughs> <laughs> this, as they say, is an outrage. <laughs> so, yeah, um, quantity still, like... Uh, <laughs> like this is around about the time that um, uh, Mil- uh, Kitana, Princess Kitana was trying to bring her mother back uh, from this sleep of... of um, uh, of, of being really mean that she's kind of stuck in. And that's when she does this, like, googly-eyed, like, evil performance, who, uh, honestly, uh, this is the point that I put down, I've realised who she reminds me of. This is the, too bad you will die, woman. Uh, it's uh, Credence Leonor Gielgud from... Uh, uh, Troll 2. Troll 2. This ah! contains sap oh, from no. the forest. <laughs> just, just barking mad. And, like, frankly, do you know what? She should have been the villain. She was better than Brian Thompson. And Brian, I like Brian Thompson, but uh, he, yeah. he is much better as a lackey like Luke yeah. in uh, Buffy. Well, he acts like a lackey. He doesn't act like somebody who, who has full-on charge of the entire situation. Yeah. Honestly, like, you just rework it a bit and have Sindel be the mama in charge of all of this. Mm. And, like, she's kind of work. She's a Lady Macbeth type working his strings. Yeah. He's just this blunt instrument. And then the fact that the generals are all these um, sort of over-the-top physical types mm. who are offering to do soul-gathering for her. Mm-hmm. Then it makes more sense. They're all coming from the same level. But I mean, this is the thing. It's not a fine performance. It is, however, a ridiculously over-the-top performance. Which is and we give want, Nicolas Cage Oscars for that. We do, apparently. <laughs> so, honestly, I would have been fine with Sindel being in it way more. She's terrible, and that can sometimes be a great thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a fine line between the whole... Uh, a, a good bad movie and uh, just a bad bad movie to yeah. use the 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 flop house terms for that kind of thing <laughs> and i think more the first mortal combat movie falls squarely into the so bad that it's good this is just tiresome and frustrating i mean like to to put it in perspective the final like i don't know 20 minutes to 30 minutes of this movie like when they're doing their big final battle it's supposed to be the huge action and emotional climax of the film and it is a snooze fest like watching it last night i almost fell asleep watching the final battle of this movie it definitely didn't help that the uh, dvd we had made by entertainment in video one of the worst distributors in the uk i think only uh it's up there with um Cinema Club, one of the absolute mm. worst. It was non-anamorphically justified, which basically means a laser disc, uh, and that Ooh. is the the little box inside a black um, ish, yeah. like a jet grayish charcoal oblong. So it's a box inside a box on your screen. That oh, it looks like shit. But um, anyway, immediately after this, like Shao Kahn uh, is as that. A villain thing of killing people that who fail him. So remember, Rain. He said to Rain, "Did you kill Cabal and Striker?" And Rain goes, uh, "No, boss. I thought that we should keep them alive." And he's like, "I'll never do it again." No, I know you won't. And then he hits him with a giant hammer, and then Rain <laughs> flies into a pit of fire and explodes and dies. And this was the same year as Austin Powers. So there's that, that you know, I'm very badly burned. Thing was obviously fresh in my head at this Absolutely. point. And this yeah. does go some way to pointing out why they needed to have 30 characters done badly because they're going to get killed randomly yeah 
And that's almost a death move. Uh, honestly, if you're going to have this many, many characters, and then you're going to, like, punch their heads off and rip their spines out and then tear them in two and fling them into a pit of spikes, that's fine. But there's none of the violence either. So what are we doing here? After the bit with Sindel that I mentioned before where she goes all crazy, Shao Kahn, like, Jade turns out to be a turncoat again. She just lied about being a dabble. Then Shao Kahn goes, right... And then he, like, holds her up, and then that disgusting meat creature who Jack's punched in the butt turns up out of the wall and eats her. He just, like, gobbles her down like an old Twix. Honestly, at this point, they should just have had CGI bones spinning in midair. Just, like, because the the sort of, oh, kind of cartoon thing that just happened there. (laughs) Like, go full on at this point. Just make the whole thing crazy. But it's that... They, they hold back. They kind of try to ground it in reality and make these things actually have happened. Like how Godzilla in the 1998 Roland Emmerich film couldn't really have flaming atomic breath. There had to be like a gas main explosion that made it look like he had flaming breath. Meanwhile, absolutely nothing in the rest of the narrative lends to their attempts at grounding Godzilla. It's a bad idea. If the license itself is for something completely loopy... Make a completely loopy film on purpose. Instead, the remit seems to be embarrass everyone. Actors, viewers, and the cinemas that actually screened the thing. So anyway, like, this is the final fight, and Jax fights the penultimate boss, Motoro, while Sonya has trouble with Ermac and Noob Saibot, again requiring yet more help with any named character, because she can only handle unnamed ninjas. And, and Sonya learns... Think- it's Either important. of them were ever named in the damn movie. No. I know Noob Saibot wasn't because he's just like, surprise cameo. Mom, it's Ermac Noob Saibot! He definitely wasn't. Ermac was just the red one. <laughs> but like, what are we to learn from this? That, like, Women, you need to know that your place is in cages and if you have a problem, call a man and he will come and fix it for you. In cages. Unless you're fighting in the mud. In which case, just in which case, have at it and wear as little clothing as possible. Could yeah. you maybe wear little shorts? Kidnapped in a cage, uh, vicious um, turncoat bitch. For like or, all your kind, you are false. false. Um, or you're being um, off to the side, allowed to fight unnamed ninjas. Yeah. Although they did avoid kind of one of the more obvious tropes where, you know, they easily could have fridged Sonya to give Johnny Cage more motivation going through a movie like this. And they kind of reversed it so that now they've they've fridged Johnny so that Sonya has extra motivation to get through it. Yeah. Hey, that's a good point. That's true. But she doesn't get to have any revenge. She should be the one taking down Shao Kahn. No, she no, doesn't. Because I'm, Raiden just, I'm specifically... just pointing out that that the the obvious way they could have taken that uh, that character trope was kind of the reverse, and that's it. They don't actually do anything with it. That's just uh, you know, <laughs> that's something. Yeah, Raiden specifically told her, "You can't do this because you're not the special blood chosen one protagonist from the first two games, uh, Missy." Do you know who is though? Liu Kang. Course. <laughs> Although, you know, Liu Kang like, steps up and goes, I think I'm ready. And then everyone turns around and goes, you're not ready. You're not ready at all, Liu Kang. I guess I'm not ready. And like, just tell me when we are 10 minutes off the end of the film. Yeah. Then I'll transform into a weird CGI dragon and God. do something with another weird... Uh, okay, so... <laughs> the morphing oh in God. this film is it's, industry it's, low. It's... 
exhausting to think about this whole sequence because they just I mean we mentioned the jib jabs in the last episode but it does like two screensavers two jib jabs just going at it <laughs> at the end it's it's oh god I think we hate movies said it best when they said we, we are skipping over the animality which is the worst part of this movie oh, oh Liu Kang turning into a dragon and Shao Kahn turning, turning into, into a what Hydra a hy- yeah he's a Hydra Hydra oh, since fucking when <laughs> he's fr- apparently he was from greek mythology <laughs> and then you got these two these two nasty ugly really ugly really di- not, not just in cgi way but in design like luke kang should be more of that dude or, or you know that a big green lean dragon yes, when his like fatality in, in mortal kombat 2 because his fatality in mortal kombat 2 was turning into a dragon and biting your head off yes that it's- Fucking sixteen bit video game looks better. looked leaps and bounds, but I cannot <laughs> believe he looks like a little fat fat thing. It's what is this little fat thing? He looks Dude. like Spyro the dragon. <laughs> Dude, it is something game. out of fucking food fight. It's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> it's embarrassing that New Line Cinema was okay with this, and then yeah. they just flap at each other for a minute, and then they fall down and they become regular people again. Yeah, regular people again, not even a head bite. I hate it. I, I don't know what they were thinking. It's like uh, King Ghidorah and Godzilla in like the absolute worst rendering you could possibly get for the two of those characters. Mm. Like, the, like, I wrote in my notes Dreamcast graphics, but then I I looked up some uh, Dreamcast graphics and I scratched it out. But, yeah, those are pretty Dreamcast good. Is there. Yeah. yeah, it's like PS1 graphics again. Like I thought the big meat monster thing that jacks punched in the ass was bad and it was and these are also bad <laughs> yeah i mean wow. they make the scorpion king in the mummy returns look like Gollum. oh yeah yeah, yeah. he looks fantastic by comparison <laughs> there you go we were trying not to just go for low-end superlatives and we there's actually no found lighting. a good comparison there's no texture there's, this is after, by the way, that Raiden has gone up against his, now we find out, brother. And they have a little fight, and Raiden gets his ass kicked because he's allowed himself to be mortal by cutting off his hair Samson style. Fool. Yeah. Honestly, Jade should have convinced him to do that. It's more symbolic. Yeah. But then, like, he's he's dying, and he says, it's, it's, okay, it's okay, I'm glad to die, immortal. And everyone's like... Okay, um, but if you'd just remained immortal and fought your stupid-ass brother, I'm sure that that actually would have been better than being mortal and allowing him to hand your ass to you. They keep cheating. Why can't we? And honestly, that's We would be completely screwed if you had just kept your stupid powers. That's actually the premise of a real Ghostbusters episode called Night Game that I did a a quick review on for uh, the Patreon a while back, where uh, two... Uh, sides of uh, light and darkness have do battle every several every like hundred years or thousand years, and um, this time they uh, uh, come. Originally, it was on sort of a Native American battleground, and now it's uh, in like Yankee Stadium in New York. So it turns out to be a baseball game, and Winston helps out. And the evil team keep cheating over and over again. They've got this, like, modified howitzer as a pitcher. Winston is compelled to cheat because he can see that the baddies have an unfair advantage and they're kicking the goodies' asses. And at the end, it transpires that if he had cheated, they would have forfeited the game because 
there has to be that diametric opposition. The good has to basically do things by the book in order to show that there is a bright line between the two sides. Otherwise, there is no point in this conflict. To maintain the balance, there must be a contrast of moral decision-making. The point being, we are not willing to do whatever is necessary just to win. Which is the opposite of Game of Thrones. George R. R. Martin's philosophy is, you need to be like fucking Machiavelli. You need to be the one holding the poison chalice. Otherwise, you die because you stupidly drank from the poison chalice. Everyone's a fucker. Everyone stabs each other in the back. The only way to survive is to be a bigger fucker than the next fucker. But there's no, like, moral compass in this film that suggests that the baddies keep cheating all the time. The only way we can succeed is by not cheating. So under those circumstances, why doesn't Raiden just fucking cheat and fry his brother alive with lightning and just go, Uh, Folks, I would just like to point out that we have now been discussing this film for For longer longer than than the the film film runs. Much like most of the discussions. (laughs) I mean, I was going to say, that's not unusual for uh, school of movies, to be fair. But But yeah, basically, the reason that Raiden became uh, mortal and then uh, lost to his brother is so that Liu Kang can be the one to do, do the final fight. They both turn into these shitty dragons, as we said, and Liu Kang's fat little dragon gets his ass kicked by this King Ghidorah that that the, the, the just if you can just find the gif folks of um Brian Thompson turning into this dragon as his head stretches upwards it is so the great. worst computer assisted morphing you will see from the 90s you just you think back on all those brilliant kind of like practical things in things like The Thing and American Werewolf in London that that you could actually have people transforming and then they got switched out for the shitty early CG and just what a trade-off. What a trade-down. Now, because they've had lots and lots of practice because they started with that shit, it's getting way better. But at this early stage, it was pre-millennial rubber. So they have this shitty dragon fight and then the forces of the... who. Okay, anybody? Who are these, like, the 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 flames and the wetness? Oh, they're the other the, Elder Gods. Those, yeah, those are the Elder Gods that I guess represent the elements, but they just look really <sighs> cheap Lobby. and right. terrible. So, And there's yeah. not even an Earth elemental. It's just air, fire, and water, and that's it. At this particular juncture in cinema history... There were two things that CG really couldn't do. No matter how hard you tried, no matter how much you paid attention to it, they just couldn't do it. The tech wasn't there to render these particles mm. accurately. And that's water and fire. And what's the two things they decide to put in this shot? Could they not be made out of dinosaurs instead? Those we can do. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, think back to uh, even Lucasfilm, who were using the Star Wars Special Editions as a training ground to do the prequels. Even they couldn't get Gleep Glops looking good in those uh, Special Editions in 1997, the same year. And then throughout the prequels, they couldn't get the CG looking good. So what hope did this team have? And that's the ones when... who made Food Fight of making anything look even slightly not terrible. And that's when it's a Gleep Glop alien that can look like whatever you want it to look like because it's not anything. People yeah. know what fire and water look like. <laughs> so Liu Kang... Okay, so the, the, the forces of the, the Elder Gods come down and go, right, okay, um, we need to make this fair. So tell you what, we're going to turn Shao Kahn into a mortal so that it's Mortal Kombat! 
And they actually start up with that music again. I was like, oh, God, why am I having fun? Just because this stupid song is playing. It's the music. The music, it kind of helps, but I mean, not by much in this case. There's two tracks in this film that are from the Matrix series. There's the, um, uh, the, there's a a bit of music from the striptease one from the Animatrix that, when Jade's fighting. And then, like, earlier, I think it's Sub Zero versus Scorpion. It's that Morpheus is fighting Neo. And it's like, oh my God, I'm totally out of place here. And I'd say they're copying, but this was two years before the first Matrix. It's okay, the the out of out of um property experience, every time anybody says Scorpion, I get the Simpsons Scorpio running through my head. Sting you with his dreams of power and wealth. Yes. Yep. So, okay, but here's the thing. Shao Kahn is made mortal, but Shao Kahn's been leaning on cheating and using his super energy powers a lot. So, basically, him being mortal means he can't use magic. So, Liu Kang beats the fuck out of him easily. That makes this final battle kind of pathetic. And it's like, oh, stop. Wouldn't it have been better for Liu Kang to just fight him with magic powers because that's when he fought Shang Tsung Shang Tsung could do magic that's what made it epic they should have fought each other as dragons but here's the thing Brian Thompson the guy they chose to be the emperor isn't the martial artist that Robin Shu is no ugh yeah it's very obvious that uh, Robin Shu just completely outclasses him yeah the entire final battle sequence it's like all the good guys are getting beaten and then the director goes, okay, now. And then they all start winning at the same time. Because of what? Because Was it the power of friendship? Reach that point in the script. Can we blame this on friendship? It, it might as well have been. <laughs> but then when Liu Kang beats the Emperor of uh, Shao Kahn, his dad, who's been standing to one side going, ah, my kid, he's a total loser. He can't even manage a merger. Goes, oh, no! And turns into a bunch of cubes. He just sort of he folds in himself. He gets warped into the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Do, do you remember there was a, a brief period in the late 80s when after just cornering the market with Rubik's Cube, Rubik's made Rubik's Clock and Rubik's Magic. Which were like little hand puzzles that were not as good, but were kind of fiddly. Was that the one where it was um, like a grid and you had to panels. fold it? To you keep make folding it to make it. Interlinking rings in oh. the picture and then you could twist it again and it was uninterlinked It rings. was a pain to do, but it was a kind of a, a clever fiddly little thing. It looks like he folds into Rubik's magic as it gets sent <laughs> away. Yeah. Just YouTube that, folks, for what that would look like. And that's it. That's the end of the film. They they get beamed back to Thailand at the end of the first film. And Raiden turns up and goes, I'm all alive again now. And so it's like, okay, so basically, it's almost like this film didn't happen, but Johnny Cage is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, but we swapped Johnny Cage for Sindel. That's a fair trade. And Lawrence Kazanoff made 20 million. Yeah, because this like film made um, 51 million, 51 million so it, million it made its money back and then some. Mm. That's awful. But like, so the last few shots, right, are, mm. okay, so Raiden shows up. He's like, hey, I'm an elder god now, mm-hmm. and you, I, I'm proud of you guys, and take care of each other because we're family. And then it keeps, while that's going on, it keeps cutting to just looking at Luke Kang, just 
while Raiden starts just Luke Kang, and then back to Raiden, and he's like, we're a fan. Back to Luke Kang, and then back to Raiden. Okay. And then Raiden goes away, and they all... There's a there's a wide shot, a very far away shot, and they all uh, link arms around each other's uh, shoulders, and they take four steps, and then it cuts to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, cuts <laughs> and to I'm credits. like, what just happened? There's no actual like end. It's just like ah, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah, zero wrap up oh, whatsoever. It. it just the movie just decides it's done. <laughs> it goes back to the place where movies end. Choose your destiny. Flawless victory. Choose your destiny. Flawless victory. And our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you to Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Trey Contreras, Matthew Webb, Connor Kennedy, Angus Lee, Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vey, Daniel Salguero, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolf, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, Frankie Punzi, Frankie Punzi. Tell me how to pronounce your name, Frankie. And that goes for any of you. If I've got your name wrong, tell me. I'll get it right next time. And Lorraine Chisholm. Brutality. And both our episodes on Mortal Kombat 1995 and Mortal Kombat Annihilation ran long, so there is a 40-minute cutting class episode with all the tangents we went off on, including speculation about this new film, which also features Sharon reading out someone's letter to Donald Trump at the beginning. Get over here! Do you know how fucking insane you sound, you off-brand butt plug? That's like the geopolitical equivalent of that stripper really likes me, only 10,000 times crazier and less self-aware. You are fucking exhausting. Every day is a natural experiment in determining how long 300 million people can resist coring out their old assholes, their own assholes, ice auger... Uh, An ice auger, Jesus! Every time I hear a snippet of your Queens-tinged banshee lyrinx, uh, larynx farts, I want to scream. Finish him! Uh, thank you very, very much for uh, coming on this show to talk about two movies of... Uh, questionable quality. Questionable quality. <laughs> uh, but, right, before we go, since we've already asked you where folks can find your work on the first show, would Maya and Chewie like to recommend a film that is like Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but way better for people to find instead? Can be anything. 
I'm I'm taking the time. You said like Mortal Kombat Annihilation, <laughs> but better, and those two things don't <laughs> fleetingly like. Well, oh, oh moderately better. If you want to skip, so okay, Mortal Kombat is not Mortal Kombat Annihilation is not so bad. It's good. Mm. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I submit that the Street Fighter movie is uh, doing a better job yeah. of yeah. checking boxes and all the pointless cameos while clearly straying into the so bad it's good yeah. instead of saying, staying mm-hmm. uh, right in the middle of just awful. If you're going to watch Mortal yeah. Kombat and something else, it should be Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, and Street not Fighter. Mortal Kombat and Annihilation. Because this film only that, ruins yeah. everything that was good about Mortal Kombat. Except Mortal Kombat! It ruins that because it uses it... A slightly re-orchestrated version. Okay, uh, Maya, have you got one? I would say if you want just a decent fight movie that's kind of fun and doesn't take itself too seriously, that is a point of reference for a lot of the games and movies that you know this is all based around. Just go back and watch Bloodsport. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, just a classic early Van Damme movie, and it's got plenty of fighting, and um, a lot of it is quite good. Uh, the acting is not great. The script is not great, but it is a very fun action fight movie. And again, doesn't take itself too seriously. So it's a little bit more in the in the spirit of the first Mortal Kombat movie or Street Fighter the movie. Mm. Uh, I didn't have one prepared, but I thought of it while I was talking. And uh, if you want a Japanese film that is Highlander meets Evil Dead Two versus, you ever seen that? From the no. year 2000, and, and it's the uh, the full word, V-E-R-S-U-S, and it is, uh, it's, it's kind of an action movie that takes place in a forest uh, with uh, a bunch of criminals trying to do a, a, a criminal deal, and it's got this, it's got pacing issues. At two hours, it's about half an hour too long, and a lot of that time is spent just building up to something, but once it gets to where it's going... It becomes this hideously campy, over-the-top, shoestring-budget gore opera. It's extremely impressive for what they had available to them. It's almost a student project. And good news, as of this recording, at least in the U.S., it's streaming on Tubi, T-U-B-I. That is one to see, Which is one of those free ones that has ads. And I've just uncovered the budget. It's $10,000. And it was made three years after Mortal Kombat Annihilation, so no need for inflation. You could make verses 300 times for one Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And it has so many more fatalities. And I am going to recommend, uh, in honour of uh, Maya's observation that you can take a stunt team and really not use them well... Uh, Ninja Shadow of a Tear. Oh, yeah. Which makes far better use of a good stunt team. Mm hmm. Featuring Scott Adkins. My boy Scott Adkins. Mm-hmm. This is one of those uh, guys who's uh, kind of uh, like doubling for people like Ryan Reynolds, but in this film, he's actually, he gets to do his own thing and have his own dramatic thing uh, mm-hmm. going. And uh, it, it really only works best if you're not expecting too much. You're like, oh, this is really pretty good. And it's got a lot of long take fights. So it's, uh, you know, you get to see some real ability there. And he has this special kind of kick, Scott Adkins, which once you've seen a couple of his movies, you'll be like, I recognize that kick. It's like it's sort of a, a little double spin thing that's almost a hurricane, hurricane. kick. 
but, uh, but not quite. But yeah, that Ninja Shadow of a Tear, you don't need to see Ninja to appreciate it. Indeed. Also streaming on Tubi and on uh, Amazon Prime as of this recording. Nice. Excellent. Okay. Right. Um, that is going to be all from us on Mortal oh, Kombat. Oh, yeah. wait. No, Alex, I have to add one thing that I didn't add in the last episode and it, and it upset me. Okay. My mother, who I, I always uh, end up talking about mom on when I'm on your show, uh, my mother loves the first Mortal Kombat movie. Like, loves it. When I told her I was going to be on the show so she could do it, she said, is that on Netflix? I said, yes. I got them a fire stick for Christmas. They've used it exactly once. And now it's exactly twice because mom watched it. <laughs> just Your so mom is rad. And nice. she said, it's so good. And she talked about how great the music was. Which She's like, mom, we're like doing everyone. Mortal Kombat. And she was like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> and then I oh, told that sounds her, great there. Have fun. Stay hydrated. <laughs> I told her I was going to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Now, mom, oh, that piece of shit. <laughs> Almost. Like, my mom just loves... Mom doesn't recognize when movies are bad most times. She's like, oh, yeah, that was fun. And she goes... There's a pause. And she goes, why? Now, <laughs> well, so we've Wasn't now... that really bad? Yes, mom, it was. She goes, yes, why? it was. <laughs> well, we've talked about it for longer than we talked about the original. That is shameful. No! <laughs> <sighs> but we, we did this one for Chewie's mom, so... <laughs> and next week also sees the launch of episode one of the first book in phase two of my alternate universe spanning sci-fi series the story is called uncivil outlaw and you can listen on thursday by subscribing to the new century multiverse podcast feed and we will finish on the full-length track of juno reactor conga fury which shares the spurious honor of being part of the animatrix and part of mortal Kombat annihilation animatrix did it better that is all from us on mortal Kombat. <laughs> but we'll be back next week i've been alex shaw i've been sharon shaw and school's,